Well, we are live. Uh, this is Vinny from Cousin Network. And I, I've got some things um, that have been brewing around in my head for the last couple of weeks. And I wanted to just have a casual conversation. Don't even know if anyone's going to watch or listen. And you know what? It's not as important to me to have a bunch of watchers, listeners, or whatever it is. It's a way for me to express what I'm thinking, just like a lot of other people are thinking as to, you know, what's going on in the world. Excuse me for the little hack, and I know I get yelled at for that one all the time. I want to talk about the the couple of big issues that are hanging out there in the world. Corona and all of the uh, unrest we're having around the country. Corona, to me personally, has impacted my my business to some degree. Uh, if you are in the state of Florida and are taking real estate courses, your class information is done. If you, if, if you registered for a class, you know, you're fine. But if you're trying to take the Florida real estate exam, uh, you're going to be until September is what I'm being told to be able to sit and take the Florida real estate exam. So if you're in the queue, uh, don't hurry. Got until September to, to take the state exam. Hopefully they'll move it up as they open up the offices in Tallahassee. As far as some of my other real estate courses, my post-education prior to the Corona event, I uh, had submitted renewal requests for all of my courses. And guess what? They got caught all in limbo. So right now, all my post-education has been crippled. So that is one way the corona has impacted my profession, my business, is that, you know, anyone who is already in the queue to take the state exam, sorry, but it's September before you can actually sit and physically take the state exam. Those of you who are thinking about taking your post-education, if some other school has it, you know, take it from them. Um, if they're approved to do those courses, I got got caught up in the uh, bailiwick of it. A little more on the corona and how it impacts me. Uh, back in March, before all this craziness occurred, I was in Clearwater with a business partner, and we were discussing, you know, some of the things we had put in motion five, six, eight months before, and we're coming to a culmination of of you know taking the next steps forward to either advance the program or you know just move on. Had a very productive meeting, and was in the process of initiating some movement back into the corporate real real estate corporate relocation real estate market that I did for so many years in Pinellas County and then corona comes in and basically shuts everything down all the activities are down uh, if you're in the real estate market it has impacted you it's slowly coming back but you know back then it pretty much you know brought you a standstill lenders surveyors home inspectors all of those things came to a complete dead stop for at least the first 30 or 60 days we're starting to see some reviveness um, around the state so those of you in the in the profession you know it's going to get better uh, it always does you know through these downturns but if you're you know trying to get into the profession you're going to have a couple of couple of hiccups but you know the corona did you know put a hiccup in some of my real estate activities. But the plus side is I've uh, advanced my podcasting and included video, which you're seeing today to it. And tomorrow, Sunday, will be my first clients coming in to become part of the Cousin Vinny Network. So that was one of my goals was to build a network of other podcasters who have stories to tell. And because I have studios set up and I, I see this in a different light than most podcasters, I'm not doing this for fun or for a particular cause. I'm doing it because there are people out there that have voices that want to be heard. And this gives them an opportunity to have their voice heard. And again, how many people watch? You know, it's irrelevant to me right now. Part of this is the lethargic part that we all go through, that we talk through things out loud. Uh, Sometimes um, we get answers and sometimes we go, huh, what did I say? Well, you know, talking to yourself is fine. And and again, I, I had a couple people watching and they clicked out and that's fine. This isn't for anyone. So the corona is... Is, has been one of those issues that has worked its way through. Our state is slowly coming back. We're moving ahead. Businesses are opening up. I'm here in the Crystal River Mall in my podcast studio here, and merchants are now back in their offices. Their stores are operating. They're hoping that customers will come back, and you're starting to see that. And now with the easing up of the restaurant business, that is going to be a tremendous impact too, that the, you know, the, the food services and the tourism will start coming back. And everyone's got to be careful. So that's the corona part. The unrest that's going on around the country. Oof. I can still remember it back in 1966, all of the riots that were going on back then. And those were legitimate reasons for the rioting. I understand it. And I, we were living in New York at the time. And it was terrible. 
And it was, it was heartfelt. I mean, you know, it, it just really, really sucked. And unfortunately, a lot of people were hurt and killed. This time, I don't see the correlation or, the, or even the closeness to the cause that was going on. Yes, that man was killed. And yes, those police officers need to pay the price for their, for their callous behavior. But there's absolutely no reason why the rest of the country and other people should be harmed in that process. Let the process work itself out. And that's all I'm going to say about that. I mean, I've had some people make slurring comments at me and you're racist and all this other stuff. And you know what? I don't have time for that. If you think I'm that, I can't change your thoughts. That's your thought. That's your problem. What do I see for the future? We're going to talk a little bit about the future as we go down. But I just want to give you a little back history. My mom and dad are from Italy. They were born and raised in Italy. They remembered D-Day 1944, which is today, June 6, 1944. They were, you know, late 20s, living in Italy, lived under Mussolini, dealt with Hitler, and all of those issues that were going on at that point in time in Europe. They had the foresight of, of finding a way to get out of the, 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 the perils of living in a country like that. In 1949, mom and dad got married in Italy. And uh, a couple of three, four, five months later, I was conceived. So I was made in Italy. They came across to the United States and we ended up in New York, in Brooklyn. Why? Because that's where most Italians ended up. And, and, and my mom had come here a few times and been back and forth to Italy and, and had family uh, in, in, in Brooklyn and on Long Island. And my grandparents lived out here from, from, um, from Italy. They came over. My grandfather actually served in the Italian army during World War I and World War II. And I won't get into all those stories, but it was, it was really kind of funky growing up and hearing the stories of how they, you know, were have, how, how did they cope with the, the two countries? But anyway, it worked out fine. So 1950, we moved to the United States. Mom and dad did to New York. And New York in the 50s was a whole different atmosphere. It was blossoming. You know, people were getting out and about. It was after the war. People were getting jobs. People were creating families. The suburbs were starting to grow, you know. And it was a place for young families to, to build a future. We lived in Brooklyn for a while. And dad didn't really like it. He tried to have a, a business in the Brooklyn area and was muscled in on by some people, which I won't name. And so we ended up going out to Long Island where my grandparents lived. And that was about 1953, 1954-ish, someplace in there. And dad worked for a um, concrete block company, just schlepping blocks. And Mr. Barasa, who owned the, the concrete block plant, lived a couple of houses down from my grandparents. And he um, kind of befriended the family. And they helped him build his first delicatessen grocery store in New York. And so we built our house and our grocery store on Long Island. And it was a great little business. You know, it was called Pete Superette. And that was that was the, the era of that time. And growing up on Long Island was a whole different atmosphere than living in, in Brooklyn or New York. It was just a whole, you know, you were out in the country. You're out in the sticks. The road in front of our house wasn't even paved. And mom would commute into New York City to, to, to work in the garment district. Now, you got to remember, in the 1950s, 1960s, and 1955, I, I went to... Uh, School, I, I got into school in 1955, and I got left back in the first grade on my eyesight. If you see my eyeballs kind of weird, I have no control over it. It's been like that since birth. Uh, someone told me that I should wear glasses when I do these things because it spooked people because my eyeball was moving around, and I, I don't have any control over it, okay? It's a bad eye. It's a dead eye. So I had surgery, I guess, when I was about fifth, first grade, something like that, kindergarten, first grade-ish, and then again, fourth grade. I got left back twice in school. So I should have graduated in 1968, but instead I graduated in 1970. But I can remember in 1966, you know, in the riots in 1967, 68. And it was a whole different trying time, you know, back then in, in New York. And dad back in 1966 decided that he wanted to get out of New York. So we moved here to Florida. He bought a bunch of property here in, in, in Florida, in Citrus County. And um, told my mom, you know, we're moving to Florida. And she just goes, when? So pretty much in, in the summer of 68, we left New York and I, we really never looked back. Um, it was a whole different lifestyle back in the 60s here. You know, coming from New York, Long Island, moving to Crystal River, Florida in 1968 was definitely culture shock. Believe me, it was culture shock. But it was a, a, an interesting time. I had two more years of high school because I was a little slow up. Got left back twice again, like a, a Catholic school. Nuns were really tough on me. And, you know, it's just life. So 1968, the summer of 68, came to Crystal River, 
and my my uh, junior year and then my senior year graduating in 1970 earlier before i graduated in 1970 i was in the draft lottery and my lottery number was like 140 or something like that and uh went for my physical and the doctor said no nah, we're not going to want you you know you're blind in one eye and your number is way up there so don't worry about being drafted so that was the the early part of 1970 i think it was january february so I didn't pay attention to it. I did my physical, did my thing, reported in to go do that. And lo and behold, about April or May, I get a draft notice. Now, this is 1970. The Tet Offense, Offensive started in 1968, and that was a bloodbath in, in Vietnam at the time. We lost a lot of people. I'm thinking, I got drafted? So I had two choices. I could either be drafted or joined. So I, I signed up for a three-year stint in the Army, did my basic training, graduated in June, and by the latter part of June, I'm at Fort Jackson, South Carolina, doing basic training. And what a shock. I mean, I was really not ready for that. But I got through my basic training. I went to uh, advanced infantry training and leadership training school and 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 did all the things that, you know, were required of me. I, I was not a draft dodger like some of my friends. I mean, I, I chose to enlist when I got my draft notice. Since that spring or fall of 19... 70, because I graduated that June. I was in basic training and we were out partying one night and I didn't want to go to work or school at the time. I was in classes and you just can't call in sick. So I went on sick call and I went to the eye doctor and said, look, I'm having trouble with my glasses. Can you help me? And, and this eye here, my right eye has been giving me issues, which is my bad eye. And my good eye is being corrupted by it. So he looked at it and looked at it and examined me. And long story short, he goes, how the hell did you ever get in the army? I said, Hey, I was drafted. So anyway, long story short, came back and said, look, we're going to give you three choices. And I took the third choice, which was I got an honorable discharge in 1970. So I only spent a few months, five months in the army. And from that point on, I've had major respect for all the guys who went and who didn't come back. And I, I, I take it, I take it, I take offense when people make comments about the Vietnam era and the men and women who served and who died, it, it just, it just um, hurts tremendously. Now, after graduating from high school and, and going through that stint in the Army, went to college my first semester out like in January after getting out of the Army. Uh, didn't do so well, flunked out. Mom and dad weren't pleased, so, you know, come back home. So we started um, doing some developing here in Crystal River. Built a shopping plaza with a little Italian deli, of course. And I got into real estate, got my real estate license back in 74. So those first couple of years, we were building the, you know, the, the delicatessen business and some other businesses here. Uh, I've been involved with the, the, the fire department. We started a volunteer fire department here. I was part of, we had a flea market. We had the deli. Uh, I was in, instrumental in, in helping a hospital move into the marketplace that I live in in Crystal River. I was one of the I was the, I was the sales associate who put the deal together on the building, and then was brought on as a uh, a go between the contractor and the uh, the company that owned the hospital, Medfield Corporation. So I had the opportunity to do some really strange things. And what this brings me about is all of my life's experiences have taken me to this point the last fifty years, and you kind of wonder why or what what caused all these things to happen during my course of my life. And a lot of people have gone through these issues where, what am I supposed to do when I grow up? I mean, this August, I'm going to be 70. I was 20 when I graduated. That's 50 years ago today. About this time, I graduated from Golden Hills Academy in Ocala, 50 years ago today. And I look at the last 50 years and think, what have I done? What have I done? I mean, like I said, 1970 graduated, um, fluffed off college in, you know, that first year of, of, of semester and kind of goofed around and didn't pay much attention. And mom and dad said, look, either get a job or, you know, go to college. So I, I tried, you know, going to central Florida, did that and did okay. It wasn't great. And in between that, like I said, we had the fire department. So I went to fire college, became a fire chief of the fire department, built the flea market, the hospital again, the delicatessen and my real estate practice. And that's where my real estate practice really started was when I did that transaction for the hospital. That got into my blood. I was not really crazy about real estate because my dad was in it. And it was just one of those things where, I'm not sure if I want to do that. So back in 74, I got my sales associate license and, um, you know, took it maybe twice or three times, whatever it is. I, I'm not a great student. I'll be honest with you. And for being an instructor, uh, I suck as a student. 
uh, opened up my own real estate company with a broker friend of mine, and and we slowly developed a, a pretty good following of business. And then I said, well, I need to become my own broker. So I started on the, the path of becoming a real estate broker. And to be honest with you, I can't even remember. I probably took the course twice because the first time I took it at the University of Florida and it was an instructor there that wasn't a real estate person. It was just an instructor and couldn't relate to real estate people. Got through that, got it done with, and then moved on and became a, 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 a broker after attempting the state exam uh, four or five times. And, you know, no, 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 no bad things about failing. I mean, it's, it's if you don't get back up and run, that becomes a problem. So I got my broker's license and opened up the office here in Citrus County and, and was really not really satisfied with it. And in between all those things in, in the earlier years, 74, 76, and 78, I ran for a political office. In 74, I ran for Citrus County Mosquito Control Board. I'm 24 years old and I'm running for mosquito control. I have no idea what the hell I was doing. I just did it because they paid you a hundred bucks a month. Uh, and I lost by a handful of votes. And then 76 came along county commission for the seat that was in our, our family district, district, district one. And the commissioner at the time was my real estate broker. And so I decided to run for that particular seat. And lo and behold, back then I was on the liberal side of the equation. And this is the only politics I'm going to talk about. I'm not going to get into all the other political bullshit. I was a, a, a Democrat. Citrus County was a Democratic County at the time. If you were not a Democrat, you didn't get elected. My dad was a Republican and has been since he's been in this country when he was eligible to vote. And I was told that I was not going to get elected to that seat because I was too conservative to be a county commissioner in that seat. So they put up two other people to run against me so that it would split the vote and make sure that I didn't win the election for county commission as a Democrat, which was disheartening. I put all my time and energy into building things for the community and got shot down by the community elders, the, the, you know, the, the backroom deal makers, in which that's what turned me off to the political process and the party system of who controls what. And again, I'm not going to get into more of it. I'm done with it. It's over. It's finished. In 78, I just put my name on the ballot. And I almost won for Mosquito Control again. But then when that ended, it was over. I was finished. Finito. And I was ready for a new adventure. Met a young lady who I met during my radio years here in, in, in Citrus County. I worked at WTRS. Did that for about a year plus. Did the 6 to midnight shift on radio. That's where some of this radio background comes from. Started dating. And we got married in um, 80 or 81 now. It's been years. And um, I didn't want to live in Crystal River any longer, so we moved to Gainesville. My brother was already up there, so decided to go up to Gainesville and look for something new. A friend of mine had a real estate office, so I hung my license in their real estate company. And we started developing that real estate business that they had. It was the Gold Jacket Company. And I was not really too keen on rules and regulations and all of the requirements of being part of that Gold Jacket Company. So I started looking at other opportunities. My brother was up there. We had a house up there. And uh, we ended up looking at a property. And I'm going to keep this short. I'm not going to get into a whole long dissertation on it. But we started a nightclub. Actually, I came up with the nightclub concept. And it was called Late Night. We served no alcohol. And we were open all night. But we didn't serve alcohol. You could bring your own and we charge you a cover charge. And we did tremendously. And we were really banging it out there. And it really pissed off a lot of the other bars in town because we were pulling crowds without selling alcohol. So that was the beginning of that adventure. And I was engaged at the time and hadn't gotten married yet. And then um, we ended up getting married and had a house in Gainesville. And she was working in Ocala. And we kind of Moved between the two towns, ended up living in McIntosh, which was kind of neat. So she would go to Ocala, I would go to Gainesville. So we had the, the nightclub and then we had an Italian restaurant, which went belly up because of the economy there. It was tough, you know, and, and Gainesville was tough years there, you know, for two or three years for me. And after that whole episode with the, the nightclub, the restaurant, and then getting divorced after a year and a half of marriage. Um, it was time for a change. Came back to Chris River very briefly, very, very briefly. I said, I need a complete change. And moved down to uh, Newport Ritchie. A friend of mine had a real estate school down there and said, hey, you want to come teach with me? And I said, sure. 
So I hung my license with him and, and started up teaching real estate classes for him in, in the Newport Ritchie area. And I started looking at, okay, what are my other options? Well, <clears throat> my other option is open up my own school. So I did. I went to Tarpon Springs because it was far enough away from him so it wouldn't interfere with him and, and far enough away from some of the other schools in Clearwater. So I opened up a real estate school there in 1985 and basically it's the Palm Harbor, Tarpon Springs area off the Klosterman Road and opened up my real estate school and my real estate practice. That's where the real estate two pieces came together again, teaching real estate and also practicing real estate. And from my practice of real estate, after my adventures with the, the Gold Cove people is I decided I was going to divorce myself from 50% of the headaches. So we decided to become what's called a buyer agency. We only worked with buyers. We did not list any properties whatsoever. I thought, well, if I'm going to do this, why would I want to spend all this time and energy listing things that may or may not ever sell? So we opened up the real estate office and it was a buyer agency and that was back in 85. And it was, it was, it was kind of an interesting time. Uh, I was so far ahead of myself. When I went to join the boards of realtors, they told me I was crazy, that I would make no money and no one would work with me and you know all that other happy horseshit. And it was ironic because I'm teaching a real estate class one day and this young man, not young man, older man comes in, kind of short, had a UK accent and uh, he signs up for my real estate class. And I'm going to go back and forth here, so don't, don't, hopefully I won't lose you. But his name was Peter Arendelle. Now in 1965, we were in Rome, Italy for the summer, mom and dad, and we all went to Italy and that was an adventure and a half. I can tell you about that one too. And there was a movie um, actor, James Garner was in Rome that summer for that time when we were there looking at coming back next year in 66 to do a movie called Grand Prix. So James Garner is in Rome in 65, scoping it out for 66 to do this movie Grand Prix. And the movie was about a race car driver by the name of Peter Arendelle. Now, I didn't put two and two together for forever. So Peter is one of my students who James Garner played in a movie in Italy in 1965. I about lost it. I couldn't believe that. Peter became my partner in the real estate brokerage company and the school. And what a tremendous man. The guy was just, just, I, I, I dearly, Got to say that he was one of the few people in my life who kept me on focus and direction. He was notorious for that. He was, he was very diligent. And I, I miss him dearly. He was, he was the, the, the one guy who believed in me, who believed in what we were doing in the real estate profession at the time when no one else would believe that we were doing this. So Peter and I, uh, we ended up moving our office mid-county in the uh, ICOT area of, of, of Pinellas County. And we opened up a buyer's agency. And we did corporate relocations. That's all we did. That was our, that was our expertise. We just want to work with buyers who are moving here because they just got transferred. And that was the thrust of the real estate company and the relocation company, which we did successfully for many years. And, you know, we started building the business, adding more offices, adding on more headaches. I brought in a partner who basically wanted to eat sushi and really not work that hard. My job was the marketing end of it and making sure that, you know, we got plenty of leads into the company. And it was, it was, it was fun. It was exciting. Now, don't get me wrong. I've had my good times and I've had my bad times. And, you know, when you're down to $10.31 in your bank account, a lot of people freak. I didn't. I knew that something would happen and turn it. It, it, it it's, and people say it's luck. It's not luck. It's, 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 it's divine providence. It's, it's, if you sit there and worry about it, you're not going to do anything about it. The day that I had the shortfall of, of having hardly any money, I was involved with the lady for 20 years who I dearly love her and her stepkids are the greatest in the world. Had to tell her that, you know, cash flow is going to be kind of tough. She, luckily, she had a good job that was paying some of the bills. Ah, I met with a client that day briefly, came in. I was dressed pretty casual like I do. I don't do the suit and tie thing. He came in in a suit and tie with his wife. He had called, made an appointment to come in and sit with me. And we talked. And he explained to me what he wanted to do. He was moving into the Tampa Bay area and that he was looking to relocate and he wanted to live on water. And I don't ask personal information unless you're willing to divulge that to me. I want to get to know you and see if I can help you. So he explained to me he wanted to live on water. And I said, have you ever lived on water? No. What kind of water would you like to live on? Big water, small water, sailboat motor, motorboat water, bridges, no bridges. He goes, I don't know. Well, let's do this. 
before I show you any houses, let's really kind of analyze your choices. So where are you going to work? I'm going to be working in downtown Tampa. Fine. So we got a commuting item to deal with. Great. I back then and still to today take a retainer. And I went from a $50 retainer back in 1974, 75 to a $100 retainer. And now I'm up to $500 or $1,000 retainer up front for me to basically see if I can even solve your problem. Because if you got a problem I can't solve, then there's no reason for us to go any further. So we had a conversation. He excused himself. He says, we're going to leave. We'll be back, maybe. I thought, well, they're gone because I asked him for the $500 to sign my agreement. He's gone. I'm never going to see this man again. 30 minutes later, he comes walking back in the office in shorts, T-shirts, and, 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 and sneakers. And his wife, too. She goes, you're the first real estate person we've met that was casual enough to be straight with us and not try to sell us. And I go, I don't have anything to sell you until you find something that you like, and then you will sell yourself. I don't sell you anything. So he wrote me a check for $500, which was the retainer. And as we're driving out, I'm making a deposit at the bank because I was down to the $10.31 in my checking account. And again, I'm telling you all this because I'm going to tell you why I question what I've done the last 50 years. So he, 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 as, I'm, I'm, as I'm depositing the check, he says, Vin, do you need another 500? I'll spot you. I go, no, sir, I really don't. He goes, no, you do. I'll give it to you. So he wrote me a check for a thousand bucks. I was like flabbergasted. He goes, I know that you only have $10 and 31 cents in your account. And until that point, I don't ever ask you to give me information that you're not willing to divulge. I said, okay, I give. How do you know that? He goes, I work for the United States Secret Service. I know everything about you. I knew everything about you before I walked in the door. He said, I would have not walked in the door not knowing you. I saw the articles in the paper about you. I read about you. I read about what you were doing, and I liked it. Lo and behold, we did find him a house, and we drove pretty much the entire perimeter of Pinellas County over to Hillsborough County. I mean, you name it, we did every water community. And it was ironic that he ends up building a house in northern Pinellas in Landsbrook. The community was called President's Landing, and this house, it was on Embassy Drive. I mean, it was, we, we laughed. I mean, and then from then on, I worked with a lot of the Secret Service of Bayer, and that was the corporate relocation side. In addition to that, I was working with a lot of manufacturers back then who were the biggest employers of the area. I mean, they were the big employers. And in, in between all of this, you know, Deb, my significant other, she was, she was growing her, her side of the life in, in, the, in Pollux, and, and they, they, they were opening up the cooking school program. And she had gone over to Tampa to kind of intern with it. And they were going to open up one in Sarasota. And they made her an offer to go to the Sarasota store. And I said, you know what? The kids are now gone. They're all married and gone. It's just you and I. Let's go. So at the time, I had shut down the real estate company, shut down the school. We moved to Sarasota and opened up downtown. Now, the other night, I was, I'm was i going to talk a little bit about this turmoil. The other night, someone had posted pictures of downtown Sarasota, and someone took a picture of my old office building that I was. I was at on Main Street at Five Points, and my office was on the second floor, which was the old John Ringling's office complex. His office was there years ago, but this is a new version of it. But it was at that location. And it, it made me stop and think, why is this all going on? I mean, I, I still don't understand all of the the calamity, but I'm not even going to get political about it because it's not worth it. And I'm going to be here being talking positive. So anyway, we opened up the real estate office and the real estate school downtown and did tremendous. Uh, the downtown location was, was kind of unique and also a pain in the ass. Parking was a pain in the ass and, you know, dealing with the city with parking permits and, you know, all that crap. You know, Sarasota was on the growth spurt. I mean, we were prior to the 05 craziness. And, you know, I had classes that had 10, 15, 20 people, and all of a sudden classes bloom up to 30 and 40 people in 2004, 2005. And I, and I look and I go, wow, this is crazy. You got people who are jumping in to get their licenses. And a lot of them were coming from other backgrounds, which is fine. You know, you know people do that. They want to change a career. And the questions I would get from people on the side would say, well, what about this? Can I do this? Can I do that? And I'm looking, I'm going, well, yeah, you can, but it might be illegal or unethical. And what you're conveying to me, if you're apprehensive about what you're about to do, that could sign, be a signal to you that it's not right to do. And, you know, I, I, um, 
I dealt with the 04, 05, 06 adventures there when when things really went kaput. I mean, just went kaput. And luckily enough, you know, I was in a in a better situation at that time. So in 05, um, my life took another turn. Um, 20 years of you know ins and outs with her. A great woman, love her to death, do anything for her. And the kids decided that she wanted a new direction in her life. She put up with my craziness and I, you know, we just, you know, we're still friends today, which is great. Um, So she moved back to Clearwater to be closer to the kids. And I stayed in Sarasota for the next, you know, four or five years and built a networking group, did a travel business, did my real estate stuff. And it was, it was, it was a fulfilling time, but it it got to the point where um, I thought maybe it was time to come back to my roots. So coming back here to Crystal River uh, almost nine years ago. Yeah. And trying to uh, reestablish myself because I was gone for almost 30 years and trying to figure out what I wanted to do when I grow up. So I looked at the real estate school business and there were some others here in town that were entrenched and they got all the business. So I put my efforts to the online genre, which is fine. That, that was great. Uh, the online was doing well and I'm in other states that I'm doing education the real estate practice, as far as my buyer agency, which was successful in the Clearwater area, really didn't blend well with this marketplace. So I pulled back and, and reevaluated and trying to figure out how else I could use some of the things that I've learned over the years. So I investigated tiny homes when the, when the trend was to do the tiny home building. I spent about a year traveling around the country, around the state, meeting with individuals, builders, contractors, and coming up with some conceptual plans for developing tiny home communities. And went to a lot of the networking events and, and, and uh, trade shows of tiny homes. And the biggest ingredient or the biggest missing ingredient was locations and zoning. Dealing with governmental agencies who didn't understand tiny homes. They see it as a big stick and brick house. And we're looking at something that's got wheels. And they just didn't understand the philosophy or how that mesh, meshed well together. So what do you do? Uh, I said, well, let's look at a couple of options. Do I go in, buy a piece of dirt and develop it into a tiny home community? And that could be tens of thousands of dollars just in the engineering part of it. I mean, tens of thousands of dollars just in engineering. Or do we go in and find things that were used for something else that can be repurposed. Well, what was one of the biggest things that happened in Florida in the 60s and 70s? Mobile home parks. Mobile home parks. What's in a mobile home park? A mobile home. What's a tiny home? A mobile home. And part of the planning was to go to these developments and say, look, your mobile home parks are old and dying. I owned a little mobile home park in McIntosh. I had 13 units on an acre of land. An acre, 13 units, cash locale. It was. How do we repurpose this mobile home park that is platted, laid out? It's got roads, sewer, and water in it. How do we redo it so that we can get a better yield? Again, I'm thinking outside the box, and I've done this my entire career. I'm always outside the box with ideas, and I've implemented some of them, and some of them have cost me dearly financially, emotionally, and it's caused all kinds of issues in my life. We went in, and developers would say, Well, you know, how are you going to do this? Well, we're going to come in, instead of having one unit per lot, we may be able to do two, three, and maybe four while we have a shared common area and plug into all the utilities that are here. Because tiny homes don't take up a lot. They're not a big footprint. I mean, you're talking 100, 150, maybe 200 square feet. And these mobile home lots were built for these 12 by 60s or 24 by 60 mobile homes where you could get two or three or four of them on a, on a site. The, the biggest issue was trying to get the local governments to understand that. They didn't see the issue. They couldn't understand it. You know why? Because they didn't know how to tax it. That's the only reason they stop some of these things is they don't know how to tax it. They say, well, look, you get a tax on the tag. Well, that's not enough. Well, you were getting tax on the tag on the mobile home and that was one. Now you got four. So we spent about a year I did with some people in Orlando, putting together packages and programs and meeting with mobile home developers and existing mobile homes, sites that were were available or for sale and maybe doing joint ventures. The biggest other issue was finding someone who could produce tiny homes in mass. These are onesies and twosies. These are not production homes. 
They're built by individuals. And the problem with being built by individuals is, well, you can't get them financed. You can get them insured, but you can't get them financed. Well, if you can't get them financed, people aren't going to buy them because how many people are going to come up with twenty or $30,000 or $40,000 cash to buy one? Not a lot of people can do that. So we were able to get insurance on them. The next was to try to get lenders to put loans on them. And part of the idea was there's a little tag that goes on the side of a mobile, a motorhome that makes it a transportation unit, which then can get a tag, which then you can finance. Well, the mobile home industry and the motorhome industry didn't like that at all. And they put up all kinds of roadblocks. I mean, major roadblocks. And after fighting it, fighting it, fighting it, I said, you know what? I'm done. I gave up after about a year plus, had meeting upon meeting with people around the state of Florida, laying this whole program out, and governmental agencies basically kiboshed it. So I'm back here in Crystal River. And, you know, you try to give back to the community. And my dad did tremendously over the years here. Uh, gave back to this community tenfold. And people will never, ever know what he's ever contributed here. I uh, had a vision, came into the Crystal River Mall where I am today with the podcast studios. And the mall was slowly losing bigger tenants. The big, big stores were moving out. Sears had decided to move out and looked at, hmm, what can we do with all this square footage? Now, remember, this was the previous administration, which was not very business friendly, but we thought we could make it work. So we took on 90,000, I think it was square feet, which was the entire Sears building with a plan to build it out where there would be independent little storefronts along the perimeter, put an indoor miniature golf course. We put in a shuffleboard, we put in cornhole, we put in a birthday party room, we put in pinball machines and you know all the different arcade games, uh, birthday party room, and started building it out. You know, it was a struggle. We were in economic times that were not like today. People were not spending money. They were holding on to their cash. A lot of time and energy went in. The, the, the new owner of the mall had an opportunity to dump or sell that building off. And he did. He sold it to Rural King. And they moved in. And that store does tremendously well. And I'm, I'm happy for them. It helps the mall by creating traffic here. So that pretty much ended that whole adventure. So the last couple of years, I've been concentrating on my real estate school, online education. And then this last year and a half or so, I started looking at the podcasting business and how I can take my talents, my energy, my abilities to, to talk. I can, I can go for hours. I did, I did a class one time for 23 hours straight. But I mean, it, there's an opportunity here for those of you who want to have a voice to have a voice. You don't have to go through the expense of what I did here. Um, you don't have to go through the expense of, of um, oh, got some comments. Thank you. Thank you, Stan. Uh, you know, the expense of, of um, lost my train of thought. Oh, the school. You know, uh, the school has been doing well, but again, now I'm, I'm kind of like hindered a little bit. And that's, that's a little disturbing. I mean, it's, 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 it's disturbing. And, and, you know, I'll deal with it. But the podcasting. I did radio for a bunch of years. I enjoyed it. I like getting in front of a mic, having camera. Uh, I'm half and half on it. We've been doing weekly updates here at the mall, showcasing all the businesses here, letting people see that the mall is alive. Yeah, it's not a mall like it used to be, but it's now local mom and pop entrepreneurs. That's what I want to get to. This whole Corona thing, this rioting thing, this calamity. These are small businesses that are trying to survive. Most of them prior to the Corona incident were on shoestrings. Corona turned some of these upside down. The ones that are back, I think we, I don't think we've lost anybody. One, everyone's come back and reopened and are, are struggling though, but you know, they want to be here because they see the adventure. They see the opportunity here for them to, you know, to grow their, their businesses again. And, and it's on the rebound. And I know I've been talking for about 40 minutes and I may just keep it just a little bit under an hour. I got a few more things I want to cover. But again, small businesses is the heartbeat of America. And without those small independent businesses, the big ones don't survive. So we're going to see a lot of transitional changes over the next few months. Again, a few of them are not going to make it. They're going to close their doors. We've seen it, we've seen it in the newspapers and on TV that places that have been around for 30, 40 years just pulled the plug. They got tired. And, and gave up. But there's going to be new opportunities out there. And that's what I'm talking about today. 
new opportunities. Like I said, I'm going to be 70 in August. 50 years ago, I graduated from high school. And I'm trying over the years to think, what am I doing? I think that everything that has occurred in the last 50 years has been part of the foundational building blocks of where I am today. I would like to be able to have other people have a voice. Talk about your passion. Talk about the things that make you excited about getting up in the morning. That's what gets me excited every day. When when we were in Clearwater meeting with some people and then some of the things we did prior to that kind of gave me spark that, you know what? There is opportunities out there. There are a lot of opportunities out there. You just got to be willing to take the chance. And that's me. I, I, I jump into things sometimes not totally and completely uh, thought out, but you know what? That's fine. You know, you make mistakes. If you've not failed, you will never succeed. And, 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 and everyone defines failure different ways. Yeah, I've had financial failures. Everyone has. You know, and, and, and it's not been easy. It's not been easy. But now I want to be able to give people a voice. And that's what I'm doing with the podcasting. Like I said, tomorrow, got my first member of my Cousin Vinny Network, which is exciting to me, starting, considering that it started with nothing except myself. Do we have high listenership? Probably not. I'm not a, um, a, a, a greed-hungry, money-hungry type person. I, I'm going to build this my way. There are other ways to do it, and there are a lot of plans out there, and I've watched the seminars and how you do this and how you do that. That's fine. I'm methodical. I'd like to know what my next step is going to be before I take it. Now, sometimes I'll blindly step in and fall. And you know what? Falling doesn't hurt sometimes. You know, we're okay. We're okay. So if you've ever thought about wanting to do a program, uh, I've got somebody else in Clearwater who wants to do one on sports, and that's a big topic. So we're, we're exploring doing a sports channel within the network. Again, if you've got something that you want to talk about or express or provide or share, hey, this is the place to do it. Um, we've got a studio here in Crystal River. I mean, if, you, if you've not been here, it's professionally done because I don't do anything half-ass. The next phase of this is I'm looking at taking this portably on the road. And I've been seriously looking at it. Not an RV, but maybe a custom van of some sort where we can take the studio, roll up to your place. You jump in, sit down, and we do interviews. Or I can come to your place and bring in my equipment and we do interviews. So that's the next phase of the Cousin Vinny Network, which is the the broadcast side. We'll be doing the audio and the video. And I think that you're a small company or small business and you have a story to tell. Come in and tell it. Uh, people want to hear about you. And that's what we've been doing here the last couple of weeks at the mall. You know, we do it twice a week. We, we talk to different businesses and merchants that are here. And we kind of give them a little bit of exposure. And people go, well, you know, what's your reach? Well, you know, it's not who sees it now, but someone will see it later and pass it on to someone else. And again, trying to build this into a, a multi-network. Whoops. There we go. I'm still trying to work all the the fangled buttons and stuff without screwing it up and killing myself offline. Anyway, so that's been my story. Uh, I I have people that, you know, I I go to for help and guidance. And right now, I'm trying to reassess some of the things that, you know, I looked at doing prior to Corona uh, and, and taking that back up a notch where it was prior to Corona, that meeting in, in Clearwater, because the opportunity is there. I'm not saying that there isn't any here where I live, but I, I thrive on activity. I thrive on excitement and passion. And now that I have the ability to do some of the things I can with this network and my real estate educational schools, uh, the, the sky's the limit. So if you've ever thought about it, you know, and you thought, well, I don't know if I can do that. Come on in. We'll sit down. We'll do a practice demo. I mean, you don't have to go live. The guys tomorrow are not going to be doing a live broadcast. We're going to do a pre-recorded interviews about their business. So I, I've put together a package of things that I can do for you individually. And what we're going to do is start showcasing some of the other businesses here in Citrus County. And I've been kind of chumming the water in the Tampa Bay area. So there, there are opportunities. If you've got an idea and you just want to sound off, call me. I'll, I'll, I'll listen and I won't poo-poo you. 
I'll give you some of the holes that you might have or some of the things that I've run into in my past that may be of help to you. Again, going back 50 years ago today, knowing that I was going to be at Fort Jackson, South Carolina in a few weeks for basic training and not knowing what my future will hold. I was spared that day when I went to the doctor to have my eyes examined. I was spared from possible death. To this day, it, it, I... Hey, Mr. Vincent, this is Jeff over at Crystal Chrysler. Yes, sir. Hey, buddy, I was just calling touch base with you. Did you ever end up buying a ProMaster? No. Uh, can, I, can I call you back? I'm sorry. I'm in minimal broadcast here. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to... Thanks. No, no, no problem. No problem. Thank you. All right. Hey, you have a good day. Bye. Whoops. Sorry about that. I forgot to take it out. I was going to... You know, see, that's technology. You learn as you go. Uh, I, I, that, well, that kind of slipped out. Mobile podcasting. Yes. Not only will we have a physical location here at the mall, but I'm looking at taking it mobile to where I can roll up in your property and we could do an interview. That's part of what I'm planning to do in the Tampa Bay area because there are companies down there that I've been talking to for the last year who don't have the resources to do this or the talent to do this. So it's another part of the Cousin Vinny Network. It's another evolution in my life. It's something that I enjoy doing. I, I'm not shy to get on the mic or the well, camera because of my eyeballs. It looks a little squirrely and scares people. But I mean, if, if it's something that you're interested in, give me a call. I'd love to talk with you. Uh, if you've got comments or criticisms, I'm, I'm wide open. You know, you can get everything in life you want if you will just help others, people get what they want. Zig Ziglar. I met him Mac, the first time in 1974, read all of his books, got to meet him a few more times. Uh, he was in Sarasota prior to him passing away back in the, 80, uh, the 2005, six, someplace around there. And I've read all of his materials and the man is straight. I mean, you can be honest, straightforward, don't cheat people, don't lie to people, work with people fairly, and you'll be treated fairly. So I hope that I, 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 I didn't sound weird. Um, I just wanted to get some things out when I did this last week, when I decided to do this, I really didn't have a, a framework of what I was going to talk about. I had an outline, but I really didn't know a lot about what I was going to speak about. Again, if one person, just one, here's what I'm saying, and doesn't give up on their dreams, people are going to poo-poo you. You're going to have family. You're going to have friends. You're going to have your significant others who are going to say to you, why are you doing that? Well, if you got to remember, if you're not harming anyone, you're not hurting or taking advantage of someone, what do you got to lose? If, if, if it's an opportunity to do something that you're excited about doing, and it will not do any of those things to someone else, if the only person that's going to be hurt is you because you fuck up, sorry about that, you know, that's fine. You're the one that's going to take the brunt of it. Nobody else. It's you who made the mistake. And don't worry about it. Believe me. I got mistake tattooed across my ass. I, uh, you know, I, I, I've done some really crazy shit. Whoops. Uh, I don't care. You know, I call it as it is, but life right now is changed for everyone between the Corona, which has totally disrupted lifestyles of people, families, businesses that have gone forever that were struggling that are now done. That's, that's just disheartening to hear about that. Uh, I, I want to, close with saying that I want to thank everyone who's listened. It's been in and out and that's fine. I know that maybe someone will pick it up on the replay, which is fine. But again, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not scared to fail. I'm scared if I don't fail. You heard a little blurb on the phone call there. And I've been, like I said, looking at taking it portable. Again, thinking outside the box. No one's doing it in the entire podcast industry. And whenever I see an opportunity, I'll explore it just like you did the tiny homes. And if it doesn't make financial sense, and as long as it does not harm anyone or hurt someone or take advantage of someone, I'll explore it. Now, for those of you here on Facebook, and I, I, I've got some friends on Facebook that have made comments to me about all the racial stuff. And you know what? I don't have time for that. I'm sorry that it's occurring. I'm sorry that people have been harmed. 
But I also feel sorry for all those businesses that are being destroyed and looted for no reason. Those people were suffering enough during the entire pandemic issue, and now you've put a nail in their coffin. That is terrible. I don't know why people would even think they have a right to do that. And this is a bunch of pukes. I'm sorry, but you know what? The cities that are allowing this to occur, I, 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 feel, I feel for your citizens. It's, it's, it sucks. So anyway, that's it for me. Um, if you need to reach me, give me a call, 888-738-7381. And what I'll try to do is I'll keep you abreast as to what's going on with the podcasting, the studio itself, the live streaming stuff, the, the mobile podcast studio, which is going to be kind of fun. I'm, like I said, I'm putting all the pieces together on that. And the real estate education, which right now is, is frustrating. Uh, Stan, who popped in there, he's a student of mine, took the, the sales course, got done with it. And when he uh, tried to set an uh, exam date, they told him February next year. Now it's September of this year. So, you know, there's a lot of things that have been, you know, thrown up in the air and they're causing all kinds of issues for everyone. And hopefully in the next week or so, things will simmer down and got better, get a lot better. So I, again, want to thank you uh, for taking the time. Like I said, when I first started this this morning and this afternoon, I really, really had an outline of some of the things I wanted to talk about, but I think back on my parents who lived through D-Day in 1944. I think about, you know, 1970 when I graduated from high school and where I was going to be 30, 40, and now 50 years later. It, it's, it's astounding, and, and I'm grateful and proud to be who I am. And uh, I wish you all well, and if you're interested, and anything that I've done or want to be a part of, you know how to reach me. Um, I'm open. I, I will discuss any ideas, crazy as they are. Bounce them off me because not a lot of people are as crazy as I am. And I'm not crazy. Anyway, this is Cousin Vinny, Vinny DeRosa on the Cousin Vinny Network. Thank you. Thank you.